and welcome to the Free Like Me podcast by FLM. This podcast aims to help people like you navigate the world of financial planning. We'll be delving into things that we and our clients care about, talking about hot topics and inviting you to get to know our team a little bit better. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Free Like Me podcast from FLM Wealth Management. I am Ben Smith and I'm really delighted to be joined today by two fantastic guests. Um, Coming first to David Blows, ex-Henley superstar. He broke his leg earlier in the year skiing and it's about all he talks about now. David, it's great to have you with us. Thank you very much. Uh, Hopefully I'm identifying as more than just the guy with a dodgy knee. (laughs) and secondly she's originally from tunbridge wells aka sunny tunny according to herself she's a massive fan of all things gavin and stacy and she does a superb welsh accent Gemma, it's lovely to have you with us oh ben it's lovely to be here thanks for having me (laughs) (laughs) sorry i really had to do that that was a great intro thank you no worries. It's it's, it's um, superb that you did that off the, off the cuff. I wasn't expecting that. So. <laughs> Throwing you off. <laughs> we should probably talk about the uh, the real reason we're here, as opposed to uh, joking around the whole time. Um, so today we're here to talk a little bit more about the need for advice, specifically with business owners. Business owners often have a much more complex set of circumstances particularly as the line between the business and personal finances can become blurred. So coming over to you first, David, I know you you work with a lot of different business owners. Um, What makes financial planning for business owners different from planning for people who don't own their own business? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's definitely worth talking about because we do work with quite a lot of business owners, both small and large. And I think the number one thing that's different for them is that there's a sort of grey area between where their business begins and ends and where their sort of personal circumstances begin and end. Because often uh, as a small business owner with a limited company, it's the structure through which you pay yourself, um, as well as through which you, you you operate and you invoice your clients, etc. So it, it's sort of difficult to determine kind of where personal planning begins and where business planning and accountancy ends. And, and that's certainly something that adds a bit more complexity. And as a result, I think there's just more moving parts, uh, but also with the complexity and with the opportunities of, of limited companies, etc., you, you do have more scope for planning to be effective as a business owner. Yeah, yeah, great. I, I think it's it's an area which opens up a lot more questions than than maybe someone who is employed and has a lot of those benefits taken care of by their employer. Gemma, um, coming over to you, um, would would you say there are any real key considerations for business owners when when coming to financial planning? Yeah, I think following on from what David said to in answer to the last question um, sort of goes with this one as well, is that a huge consideration um, is balancing your personal and business goals, which obviously takes a huge discipline. And I think that the, the personal goals can um, sort of fall by the wayside when um, you are running a business because it's, it's something that you're good at and it's something that you've poured your, your life into. And um, I think that the, the personal side of things definitely can suffer. 
I think also as a business owner, if you're kind of going to be considering your planning, I think it's important to have a bit of a vision for the business. And I think a lot of people um, talk about five-year plans and things, but having a really clear vision of where you want the business to go and where you want to take it, um, time scales as well as to how long you really feel you can give 100% to your work. Um, and then with that in mind, obviously, succession planning and kind of an exit strategy, um, which is something hopefully we'll talk on, talk on a bit more. So I think as a business owner, the, the kind of main thing is the decisions you make have, have obviously going to have more of an impact on on other people, business partners, staff, potentially shareholders, et cetera. So it's, it's more than just you and your family to consider. So there's a few more stakeholders, if that makes sense. Yeah, it make, makes complete sense. I think it's really important just to highlight a couple of those examples. So a business goal, clearly you mentioned something like an exit plan. It, it's very important to a lot of business owners or a target as to how much you want to increase the profit of the business. They, they're very definable and, and quantifiable business goals. On the flip side, you've probably got personal goals such as um, maybe retiring at a certain age or helping your kids through university. So I, I think it would be really good to dig down into a couple of those and see how they, they do intertwine because they are very closely linked, particularly when an individual's finances depend on, on the success of the business. So um, in terms of um, the advice that you could give to a business owner, so so how would you start, for coming over to you first, David, how would you start when you're dealing with a business owners to help them um, really identify what's important to them? I think, to be honest, it begins with the end in mind. So again, like I said earlier, I think going through a bit of a sort of discovery exercise with a business owner to try and understand what's important to them, um, what motivates them, where they want to be in five years time, 10 years time, what the kind of medium and long term goals look like. And then just trying to really marry up, um, you know, balancing short term inevitable cash flow pressures, which we all have with with longer term sensible you know, smart planning. Um, and I think the biggest one is, is kind of working out how you get out of the business because we all work so that one day we have the option not to, uh, that doesn't mean we'll necessarily take it. We might continue working, but at least to, to work through choice rather than necessity is, is a tremendously powerful emotional target. So I think we should all try and work out kind of what the end goal is. And particularly as business owners, when you've got other people to consider too, it's, it's tremendously important. I also think just adding to that, Ben, you say about where where you would start by talking um, in talking with the business owner about identifying their goals. I think so often when we speak to people, they don't actually know what half of their goals are. I think that it's really easy to get one track minded with setting up a business and starting that and wanting it to grow, but they probably have all these other desires that they've not really pinpointed beforehand. So that will be, as David said, stopping working or um, taking some time out, going traveling, sort of funding family members, all that type of thing. And I think until we find until we sit down and actually have that conversation where you're sort of asking, asking, prompting questions and helping an individual dig further into their personal circumstances, they don't actually think about it. So it can be a really valuable exercise talking about that with someone and helping them actually figure out what those goals are um, rather than just, just finding them out because they, they often won't know them in the first place. Yeah, it, it's so true. I mean, I don't think I know a single business owner that wouldn't say that uh, life is busy and um, it's very easy for us all to have our head down and, and not ever stop to think about those those sorts of longer term goals. Um, coming on to the financial assets of the business. So I think we all know that a financial planner can help um, someone manage their assets for retirement or 
maybe help set up funds to to send the kids to university. But do they, coming to you, Gemma, do the advisors ever get involved in actually managing the assets of a business? Is that something to, that you help with? Yeah, so we can do that. It's something that we've done with lots of our um, clients. So we can help um, if there's cash in the business. Um, we can help with, with cash management solutions and, and platforms with that. Um, and another area that we can help with as well is we can help with corporate investments. So that means using the cash and the assets you've got in the business and investing them so that they can um, grow and you can get some returns um, if you don't need that money, sort of superior to, to what you'll get if it's sat in the bank, which at the moment is pretty minimal. Yeah, I think the stat is pretty ridiculous. The big four banks at the moment are offering business account holders less than an average of 0.2% interest on their savings. So we all know that keeping money in the business is, is really important because you never know quite what's around the corner as we've as we've seen this year. Uh, and so a kind of a buffer is important. But once you, you've got a certain amount of working capital in the company that you don't think you're going to need for some time, there could be some options to, to put that to work in a slightly more adventurous way with, a, with the aim of, of generating more growth, um, clearly with, with greater risk. But, you know, obviously the longer term, um, hopefully giving your, your money that's sitting on account a little bit more power to work harder for you. Yeah, and I think so often we see scenarios where, people are reluctant to, to suddenly distribute lots of money from their business. And the idea of keeping it some in the, in the business, as you said, David, for, for um, unexpected events like, like we've seen this year, is quite attractive, but it also plays a big role in the tax plan inside of things. So how you distribute the money from the business over time can play a really pivotal role in the tax that you pay um, personally. So uh, David, I mean, digging a bit deeper on that, what are some of the um, key ways in which someone might distribute money from a business? Well, there's really three. I mean, everyone knows salary and dividends, which are the kind of common methods of profit distribution for business owners. Uh, and it used to be that dividends were, were, were clearly far more attractive than salary. And I think in recent years, government have sought to kind of slightly redress that balance and it is it is still a bit more attractive but but the gap is definitely closed the closer than it was so salary and dividends is a good combination of that it's important to pay yourself a salary up to the level at which you would tick the box for national insurance contributions each year which means you get another year of, of contribution towards your state pension and things like that beyond that dividends are are obviously a, a slightly more effective way of paying yourself um, you could also, um, if your spouse, for example, if you're married, um, your spouse could be a shareholder in the company too. And, and there's opportunities to contribute um, via dividends uh, for her shareholding or his shareholding as well. And, and the one that often goes um, sort of forgotten about, or, or the one that often is forgotten about, I should say, is pension contributions. And whilst it's very boring, and, and obviously the word pension seems to sort of invoke sort of... Pensions aren't boring, David. Sorry to cut in. We love pensions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gemma. Very enthusiastic. But she's absolutely right. The pensions actually traditionally have got a very boring reputation, but actually they're just investments with really attractive tax breaks. And for a business owner, if you've got profit in the business that you're not going to pay out, if you pay it out to a pension contribution via a pension contribution to your personal pension before the end of the financial year, then it's as if you never earned that money in the first place. So you avoid all of your corporation tax um, and it's tremendously powerful. So uh, it's certainly getting that balance again between paying yourself, uh, you know, dividends and salary that you can use to to sort of meet your cash flow needs in the short term versus the the longer term really super efficient stuff. And pensions should definitely play a part of that. 
if you are a business owner and you don't have a pension, then you are absolutely mad, is all we can say. <laughs> they are so efficient and they are fab. <laughs> I think we have a fan. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I think we've established that Gemma likes pensions. Um, well, we laugh about it, but I do think that um, so often when we talk to not just business owners, but but many of our clients, is it's really easy to establish that actually, A, people don't understand pensions because they've historically been very complicated. Um, and also, B, they got a really bad rep in, in previous years and they've changed a lot. But as it stands at the moment, they're so efficient um, and they can really benefit people if they can sort of look past the uh, their previous experiences, um, particularly business owners sorry i'll get off my soapbox now no i think it's, it's always good to hear from our cpo um chief pensions officer Gemma cottis um, <laughs> i would like to dig a little bit on that though Gemma, because you you do occasionally make some good points um i, I... <laughs> shots fired <laughs> yeah. what, 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 in all seriousness though what why do pensions get a bad rep then so so why is that a common misconception so i think that Pensions A are so complicated. They have changed so many times. I mean, I've not been in the industry for a particularly long time, but I've seen numerous changes happen in that period, let alone beforehand. Um, and it's too much for people to keep up with. Um, people have busy lives. They've got jobs. They've got families. They've got friends. They don't want to start thinking about their personal finances at the end of the day and then delve deep into the pension rules that have changed. I mean, um, people have better things to do, and I don't blame them. So it, I think that um, they're complicated. Um, yeah, and in, in the past, some people have had um, really bad experiences with pensions. They know people have lost money um, with pensions. And um, also how you access your pensions. Historically, um, you used to access your pension through buying an annuity with your pension pot. And annuity is probably a term that's quite familiar to anyone listening to this. But the mad thing is, is that very few people would actually buy an annuity these days because there are far better ways to access them. But no one knows that. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of moving parts with pensions and they've come a, a long way. But um, we're, well, I'm single handedly trying to preach that to the population, but um, slowly but surely. Yeah, I think you, you make some great points. I think whenever, as we see as advisors, that whenever there is a lack of clarity, it often this sort of financial inertia that, that I go on about all the time really does set in because pensions are confusing and that can really cause people not to act. So it's another reason why, you know, engaging with someone who can can help you navigate that those sorts of areas is really important. And I think it leads on to another point, which I just wanted to get your opinion on, David, because many people might be listening to this and thinking, okay, it seems as though a lot of this is taken care of by my accountant. And obviously at FLM, we have accountancy and financial planning all under one roof, which, which we're, we're big advocates of. But what, where does the financial planner's role um, start within all of this? And, and where does the accountant stop, if that makes sense? Yeah, it's a good point. And I think it's it's a temptation of business owners to assume that just because they have an accountant, that they're being looked after and, and, and they've got all that, they've got access to all the, the ideas that they need. Um, but actually, the, the roles are two very distinct ones. Accountants are obviously responsible for reporting the earnings of the business to HMRC and to filing, you know, filing company tax returns and personal tax returns, sometimes VAT and payroll and all that sort of thing, quite transactional um, roles. And, you know, the complaints that we sometimes hear from, from business owners about their existing accountants is that they're quite reactive um, and they, they kind of get that call 
once a year, which is, you know, it's that time of year again, I need all your info, you know, send it across. And, and it's sort of, it seems a bit reactive rather than, rather than more of a, a partnership. And that's not a criticism because obviously a lot of the, um, the work that they do is, 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 is done in a certain way because it's regulated very heavily. Um, but equally when the financial planning side comes in, it's actually then thinking a little bit more holistically about you as a family, uh, a business owner and their, their family and their, their, their shareholders and, and, um, and colleagues trying to work out what's best for you as individuals because whilst you may be coming together every day in an office or or over zoom at the moment um to, to kind of work for a common goal on a business side you all have very different circumstances and very different priorities and a financial planner should be able to apply uh, or, or design plans in conjunction with individuals to to kind of suit their individual needs and that's where we're talking about things like what to do with surplus income and bonuses simple things like mortgages and, and insurance, um, individual pensions, those sort of things. So it's covering off all of the the kind of um, the personal uh, financial planning stuff, which should hopefully marry and, and complement quite well with all of the transactional stuff that's happening on the accountancy side. Yeah, I think so many times down the years, we've seen um, business owners where maybe there's two or three different business owners. And, and to your point, David, they all have really different personal lives and all have different needs. And that can mean they need to remunerate themselves in a different way. It can mean that they have um, different short-term needs for capital. There's there's so many different nuances in there, which I think mean that actually having the financial plan inside, someone who's looking at the personal situation and the accountancy, is it works really well. Um, Gemma, um, I want to quickly touch on a slightly different topic, so changing speed here. Um, insurance is, again, something that many business owners may not have thought about um, and I think you know most business most individuals have life insurance to protect their mortgage um, but what what sort of areas should business owners be thinking about specifically yeah that's another really good point that goes back to what we said at the beginning about how if you are an employee in in a business then it's really typical that you will get a pension and you'll also get some kind of life insurance or um, other insurances, whether that's private medical, death and service. But as a business owner, um, you don't get any of this. Um, and obviously the, the negative is that you have to think about all these things and you have to set them up yourself. Um, but then the positive is, is that um, there are some really attractive um, ways to do this and really, really tax efficient ways to do this. Um, one of them, um, a huge one, is um, life insurance. So that means if you or and your business partner or anyone in the business passes away, then um, you can set up um, life insurance that will pay your chosen beneficiaries, whether that's a husband, wife, family, etc. Um, and they'll get paid a lump sum um, tax-free um, in the event of your death. Um, but one of the really, really attractive things about having a business is you can set that up through your business so that you as an individual pay don't pay for that at all. You don't pay the tax on the value of that benefit at all. And the business doesn't pay tax on it at all. So that's, that's one of the, uh, the um, things that you can do. And that's a benefit called relevant life insurance. Yeah, and that can often be um, combined with something called a cross-option agreement, which works quite well for business partners, whereby they have perhaps, say, a 50% share in the company each. And if one of them passes away, then the spouse or beneficiaries uh, of, the, of the person who passed away will no doubt receive the shares. And, and, and the remaining or the surviving business partner might be thinking, well, look, you know, I went into business with, with John, for example, but actually... John's now passed away and Jane owns his shares and, and that really wasn't what I signed up for. Um, and so a cross option agreement exists to allow 
the remaining business owner to, to pay out the um, value of the shares to the survivor's estate. Um, and equally, the survivor's estate, if they want to, to enforce a purchase. So either one can exercise the option to, to buy or to sell the shares for the current market value. So that's, that's quite a good combination with life insurance too. Yeah, re- really great point. I mean, these are, these are all obviously re- really difficult things to think about, but we have seen scenarios in the past where a, a shareholder passes away and the spouse is left with those shares and, and they're not necessarily the person or, or they might not be interested in running that business. So having the funds available to buy them out is, is a really important thing to get set up. And I think the only other thing I'd add to that is that these policies actually can be really cost effective. They don't cost an arm and a leg and um, they, they help ensure that the business uh, is going to be protected for the long term. The other one to briefly mention, we won't go into too much detail, is key man insurance. Um, you can ensure you can ensure the uh, important people in the business, which means that if a key shareholder dies away, there's an in, inflow of money to the business that pays out to help you cover that that period of disruption for the business. So again, something that's that's worth talking to an advisor about. It's really poignant at the moment talking about these things as well, because I think recently, given everything that that's happened this year, a lot of people who perhaps weren't so interested in insurance historically um, have been confronted with their own mortality a bit more and the sort of the, what can actually happen if any of these do if any of these horrible things do um, occur. So it's definitely been a, a conversation that we've been having much more with people because they're actually entertaining it slightly more these days. Yeah, really true. And um, I think you know, moving on slightly from insurance, the, the, there's one area I really wanted to touch on, which was just to dig a little bit deeper into the mindset of anyone that has their own business and, and is an entrepreneur. And I wonder whether either of you have um, an example of a situation where you've dealt with a business owner and, and maybe they haven't thought as much about their own planning. They've been very engaged in their business and um, you know don't necessarily think about the wider wider aspects of planning. Have you, either of you got an example there? Um, yeah, I think I think it's fair to say that business owners always have a plan plan A. Most of the time, there's this sort of invisible or kind of intangible moment where their business will be bought, um, they'll be flushed with cash, and they'll ride off into the sunset with a brilliant retirement. Um, and the sort of my business is my pension, my business is my future planning type type answer is something we get quite a lot. And I think the job of a good advisor is to acknowledge the fact that clearly. As a, as a business owner, you know, you're always going to think positively, you're always going to be bullish about the future of the business. But I think it's often rare for business owners to have a plan B. And our job is often to make sure that we are making sure that even if the ultimate kind of liquidity event that, that they're planning doesn't happen, that they're still going to have a minimum standard of living that they'll be happy with. And, and the scope, as I said earlier, for planning in this sort of area is, is huge. Um, so I just think it's, you know, making sure you have a an exit strategy, understanding the different ways of potentially getting out of a business um, and winding it up or selling it or, or kind of management buyout. I think everyone knows these sort of words, but mechanically, very few business owners actually know where to start or kind of how to how to kind of initiate that process. And that's something that a, a decent financial planner should be able to help with. That's something actually following on from that, David, that we've been really fortunate with in FLM is that um 
as a practice, we now work with lots of business owners, as we said at the beginning, um, with businesses of varying sizes and lots of different um, industries. And because of that, something recently we've been able to do is run event, well, before COVID, um, run some events just for our business owners, which created a platform for um, them to network and to meet other people and to sort of start thinking about so we had some some speakers who spoke about sort of exiting your business and and how you can look to that um in the future and ways that you can plan around it and made some really great introductions um sort of cross client um where, where people were able to maybe help each other in that space that's something we've been really fortunate within in flm is creating that platform for for business owners yeah and again really good point Gemma. i, I just wanted to follow on for that do you do you manage to bore most people with pensions chat at those sort of events or is it strictly for podcasts no, I say that strictly for podcasts, face-to-face meetings, not the not the events like that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just uh, making sure our listeners know what to expect if they meet you at an event. And um, <laughs> really good. So, so thanks for that, guys. Um, some super useful stuff on there, and um, hopefully some some interesting bits for the clients. I think one one thing that does always come up for business owners is tax, and I know we we briefly touched on some of the tax benefits. Um, around things like insurance and using pensions, using salary, using dividends, all of those sorts of things. And I think, again, I just wanted to highlight how important that ongoing conversation is between accountant and financial planner, because they do cross over and accountant can often say it might be a good idea to think about pension contributions, but they might not be able to help you calculate what allowances you have available, look at your previous pensions, all those sorts of things that are are really key. And equally, a lot of them won't be able to set up things like insurances again. So it's important to have both pieces of of the puzzle um, in in place there. Um, I guess finally, to to tie up guys, um, some some sort of closing remarks, really, you know, if, if you're Talking to a business owner who's maybe never really seeked advice, what what would your what would your recommendation recommendations be um, coming to you first, Gemma? Well, first of all, if they're speaking to us, then that is amazing because I do think that starting the process and actually considering the the planning um, that we'll be talking about is the hardest thing. I think that as you mentioned inertia earlier, but it's so true um, and it resonates with so many people. Is, um, financial planning and planning around people's businesses and things is something that you, each day is easy to say, oh, I'll, I'll deal with it tomorrow, I'll deal with it tomorrow. So the hardest part is 100% starting. So if we're having the conversation with them, then um, then amazing. And you can listen to me talk about pensions for the next hour. Um, but, uh, but yeah, starting is definitely the, the hardest part. I think that if you are going to start talking to um, a financial planner or accountant or um, start making plans for the future, then I'd actually suggest that you speak to more than one. I think that um, the relationships that we have with our clients are amazing relationships that we intend on um, continuing for the long term. And I think that that only works if you if, if it's a good match, not just in terms of pe- the individual you're working with being qualified and being right for the job and being able to actually help you. But in terms of actually whether you get along and, and I mean, some people might listen to this podcast and think she is the most annoying person I've ever heard in my life. And if that's the case, then we're probably not going to work well together. But you might listen to, to David and thought really like what he's saying. And he seems like a really decent guy. And if that's the case, then that's a relationship that you're going to want to continue with. And so I think that, that shopping around for, for lack of a better word is really, really important if you're thinking about starting a relationship like that. 
And I think at the moment as well, like there's so much difference that we're, we're kind of right on a cusp in the financial planning world of, of kind of those that are adopting technology and looking to the future and looking for disruptive ways of using technology to improve what we do. And then there are some older sort of style firms that are sort of a little bit stuck in their ways, still very paper-based, still very kind of face-to-face, sort of old, old schooly. And I think what what's right for one person isn't right for everybody and um you know i think it's important to understand the approach that your advisor will take with you in terms of the way that they will catch up the way that they will conduct review meetings with you uh the ongoing kind of support that they'll they'll provide and and the mediums through which they will use whether it's going to be an online based sort of face to face or 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 whether it's going to be a physical face to face um so just just kind of explore your options and ultimately as Gemma said i couldn't agree more it's all about chemistry um provided you know both options demonstrate competence and that they've got their head screwed on it's then really about who you want to work with for the next 20 or 30 years of your life and you know it's got to be the person you get on best with yeah it is such an intimate relationship isn't it and and you have to trust the person in front of you and face has to fit as you say so so shopping around I, I think was a really key key point Gemma David you mentioned one thing around tech which I think just before we tie up is, is a really important point to know how does tech come into what you do as an advisor with a business owner? Can you just give me one example there? Yeah, so we use a couple of tools um, that are relatively cutting edge. Both are sort of cash flow modeling um, tools. So there's one called Voyant, which is a piece of software that maps out every year for the rest of a client's life and shows where their income is going to come from um, versus where or versus how much income they think they might need or, or we predict they might need. And it all kind of adjusts for inflation and everything. So that's really cool. Sorry, David, I'm just going to jump in. It's a really blunt piece of piece of software. So you get to drag across a gravestone for and place it on the year that you'd like to kill yourself off and plan all around that, which is a, a slightly blunt way of doing it. But clients seem to love it. <laughs> I think it's the visual, isn't it? People just love to see, you know, things graphically and, and, and also a bit of confidence in, you know, you, you know, we as advisors might have recommended something, but then seeing the impact of that on a computer system provides a bit of extra confidence. And the second modeling tool is a piece of software called Timeline. Um, and Timeline provides um, essentially a range of potential future outcomes based on historic data. So that's a bit of a mouthful. What I mean by that is if someone makes an investment that, um, you know, on average over the last, say, 10 years would have returned 5% a year, that's all very well. But the last 10 years have been a very good period of investing. So what if they'd retired just before the First World War or the Second World War? What would their what would their subsequent returns have been then? So trying to sort of understand what the kind of best and worst case scenario is for an investment and obviously as you reduce or increase the risk, that sort of funnel, if you like, potential future outcomes gets broader and broader. So, you know, trying to help clients understand how much risk they should be taking relative to the amount of time they they have available to invest. So the two pieces of software are great. As I say, visual representation, clients love it. And it just adds a bit of um, a bit of uh, brute force to our to our kind of um, the intelligence to which we, we make recommendations. And I think it's it's something we're only going to adopt more and more and more. Yeah, and I think to your point of of having the plan B, that's where those software can be really useful to any business owner. And we always talk about the notion of clarity as power and making sure you have a vision as to what your future looks like. And, and if you can have that with some sort of personal modeling with an advisor alongside what you're doing on the business, it, it can be 
really empowering, I think, and give you a lot more confidence in in your future and the business's future. So I think, you know, we've, we've talked a lot of, uh, about a lot of stuff today. Um, we were having a really, really nice podcast until Gemma started talking about Greystone. So um, thanks for that. <laughs> um, I, I was really, I have to say, I was really enjoying it. One of the best we've done and, until you dropped that little line in. So, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks very much, Gemma, David. It's been really, really great to have you here. And um, hopefully there was some really useful tips for, for anyone out there that's listening. And, you know, if you are listening and there's areas you, you, you think that in this podcast have resonated with you, please do reach out to a financial planner or, or speak to your accountant and, um, I'm sure they can help recommend someone and, and speak to a few different people. So thanks, Gemma. Thanks, David. And um, we'll see you all soon.